Hi, my name is Professor Rachel Bodell, and you're listening to the Bible in a Year, the story podcast, where we encounter a living God that is calling us to live a life from, with, and for Him. This podcast is designed to help you listen to the one connected story of the Bible and understand it perhaps just a little bit better by learning from biblical scholars that have helped me. We will read the Bible out loud and explore how the one connected story of the kingdom of God is unfolding and how we fit into that story today. This is day 22, and I'm reading from the NIV version of the Bible, as usual, and Genesis 39 and 40, Job 31 and 32, Proverbs 3, verse 33 to 35. Genesis 39. Now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt. Potiphar, an Egyptian who was one of Pharaoh's officials, the captain of the guard, bought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him there. The Lord was with Joseph so that he had prospered, and he lived in the house of his Egyptian master. When his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord gave him success in everything he did, Joseph found favor in his eyes and became his attendant. Potiphar put him in charge of his household, and he entrusted to his care everything he owned. From the time he put him in charge of his household and of all that he owned, the Lord blessed the household of the Egyptian because of Joseph. The blessings of the Lord was on everything Potiphar had, both in the house and in the field. So Potiphar left everything he had in Joseph's care. With Joseph in charge, he did not concern himself with anything except the food he ate. Now Joseph was well-built and handsome. And after a while, his master's wife took notice of Joseph and said, Come to bed with me. But he refused. With me in charge, he told her, My master does not concern himself with anything in the house. Everything he owns, he has entrusted to my care. No one is greater in this house than I am. My master has withheld nothing from me except you, because you are his wife. How then could I do such a wicked thing and sin against God? And though she spoke to Joseph day after day, he refused to go to bed with her or even be with her. One day he went into the house to attend to his duties, and none of the household servants was inside. She caught him by his cloak and said, Come to bed with me. But he left his cloak in her hand and ran out of the house. When she saw that he had left his cloak in her hand and had run out of the house, she called her household servants. Look, she said to them, this Hebrew has been brought to us to make sport of us. He came in here to sleep with me, but I screamed. When he heard me scream for help, he left his cloak beside me and ran out of the house. She kept his cloak beside her until his master came home. Then she told him this story, that Hebrew slave you brought us came to me to make sport of me. But as soon as I screamed for help, he left his cloak beside me and ran out of the house. When his master heard the story, his wife told him, saying, this is how your slave treated me. He burned with anger. Joseph's master took him and put him in prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined. But while Joseph was there in prison, the Lord was with him. He showed him kindness and granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warden. So the warden put Joseph in charge of all those held in the prison, and he was made responsible for all that was done there. The warden paid no attention to anything under Joseph's care because the Lord was with Joseph and gave him success in whatever he did. Sometime later, the cupbearer and baker of the king of Egypt offered their master, the king of Egypt, Pharaoh, was angry with his two officials, the chief cupbearer and the chief baker, and put them in custody in the house of the captain of the guard, in the same prison where Joseph was confined. The captain of the guard assigned them to Joseph, and he attended them. 
After they had been in his custody for some time, each of the two men, the cupbearer and the baker of the king of Egypt, who were being held in prison, had a dream the same night, and each dream had a meaning of its own. When Joseph came to them the next morning, he saw that they were dejected. So he asked Pharaoh's officials who were in the custody with him in his master's house, why do you look so sad today? We both had dreams, they answered, but there is no one to interpret them. Then Joseph said to them, do not interpretations belong to God? Tell me your dreams. So the chief cupbearer told Joseph his dreams. He said to him, in my dream, I saw a vine in front of me and on the vine were three branches. As soon as it budded, it blossomed, and its clusters ripened into grapes. Pharaoh's cup was in my hand, and I took the grapes, squeezed them into Pharaoh's cup, and put the cup in his hand. This is what it means, Joseph said to him. The three branches are three days. Within three days, Pharaoh will lift up your head and restore you to your position, and you will put Pharaoh's cup in in his hand, just as you used to when you were his cupbearer. But when all goes well with you, remember me and show me kindness. Mention me to Pharaoh and get me out of this prison. I was forcibly carried off from the land of the Hebrews, and even here I have done nothing to deserve being put in a dungeon. When the chief baker saw that Joseph had given a favorable interpretation, he said to Joseph, I too had a dream. On my head were three baskets of bread. In the top basket were all kinds of baked goods for Pharaoh, but the birds were eating them out of the basket on my head. This is what it means, Joseph said. The three baskets are three days. Within three days, Pharaoh will lift off your head and impale your body on a pole, and the birds will eat away your flesh. Now the third day was Pharaoh's birthday, and he gave a feast for all his officials. He lifted up the heads of the chief cupbearer and the chief baker in the presence of his officials. He restored the chief cupbearer to his position so that he once again put the cup into Pharaoh's hand. But he impaled the chief baker just as Joseph had said to them in his interpretation. The chief cupbearer, however, did not remember Joseph. He forgot him. Job 31. I made a covenant with my eyes not to look lustfully at a young woman. For what is our lot from God above, our heritage from the Almighty on high? It is not ruin for the wicked, disaster for those who do wrong. Does he not see my ways and count my every step? If I have walked with falsehood or my foot has hurried after deceit, let God weigh me in honest scales, and he will know that I am blameless. If my steps have turned from the path, if my heart has led my eyes, or if my hands have been defiled, then many others eat what I have sown, and may my crops be uprooted. If my heart has been enticed by a woman, or if I have lurked at my neighbor's door, then may my wife grind another man's grain, and may other men sleep with her, for that would have been wicked sin to be judged. If it is fire that burns to destruction, it would have uprooted my harvest. If I have denied justice to any of my servants, whether male or female, when they have a grievance against me, what will I do when God confronts me? What will I answer when called to account? Did not he make made me in the womb make them? Did the same one form us both with our mothers? If I have denied the desires of the poor or let the eyes of the widow grow weary, if I have kept my bread to myself, not sharing it with the fatherless, but from my youth I reared them as fathers would and from my birth I guided the widow. If I have seen anyone perish for lack of clothing or the needy with garments, and their hearts did not bless me for warming them with the fleece from my sheep, if I have raised my hand against the fatherless, knowing that I have influence in court, then let my arm fall from the shoulder. Let it be broken off at the joint, for I dreaded destruction from God, and for fear of his splendor I could not do such things. 
If I have put my trust in gold or said to pure gold, you are my security. If I rejoiced over my great wealth, if the fortune my hand has gained, if I have regarded the sun and its radiance or the moon moving in splendor, so that my heart was secretly enticed and my hand offered them a kiss of homage, then these also would be sins to be judged. For I would have been unfaithful to God on high. If I had rejoiced at my enemy's misfortune or gloated over the trouble that came to him, I have not allowed my mouth to sin by invoking a curse against their life. If those of my household have never said, who has not been filled with Job's meat, but no stranger had to spend the night in the street, for my door was always open to the traveler. If I have concealed my sin as people do by hiding my guilt in my heart because I so feared the crowd and so dreaded the contempt of clans that I kept silent and would not go outside. Oh, that I had something to hear. I sign now my defense. Let the Almighty answer me. Let my accuser put his indictment in writing. Surely I would wear it on my shoulder. I would put it on like a crown. I would give him an account of my every step. I would present it to him as to a ruler. If my land cries out against me and all its furrows are wet with tears, if I have devoted its yield without payment or broken the spirits of its tenants, then let briars come up instead of wheat and stinkweed instead of barley. The words of Job are ended. Elayu. So these three men stopped answering Job because he was righteous in his own eyes. But Elayu, son of Barakel, the Buzite of the family of Ram, became very angry with Job for justifying himself rather than God. He was also angry with the three friends because they had found no way to refute Job and yet had condemned him. Now Elayu had waited before speaking to Job because they were older than he. But when he saw that the three men had nothing more to say, his anger was aroused. So Elayu, son of Barakel the Buzite, said, I am younger in years, and you are old. That is why I was fearful, not daring to tell you what I know. I thought age should speak, advanced years should teach wisdom. But it is in the spirit, in a person, the breath of the Almighty that gives them understanding. It is not only the old who are wise, not only the aged who understand what is right. Therefore I say, listen to me. I too will tell you what I know. I waited while you spoke. I listened to your reasoning while you were searching for words. I gave you my full attention. But not one of you had proven Job wrong. None of you had answered his arguments. Do not say we have found wisdom. Let God, not a man, refute him. But Job has not marshaled his words against me, and I will not answer him with your arguments. They are dismayed and have no more to say. Words have failed them. Must I wait now that they are silent, now that they stand there with no reply? I, too, will have my say. I, too, will tell what I know, for I am full of words, and the spirit within me compels me. Inside, I am like bottled up wine, like new wineskins ready to burst. I must speak and find relief. I must open my lips and reply. I will show no partiality, nor will I flatter anyone. For if, my, if I were skilled in flattery, my maker would soon take me away. Proverbs 3, verse 33. The Lord's curse is on the house of the wicked, but he blesses the home of the righteous. He mocks proud mockers, but shows favor to the humble and oppressed. The wise inherit honor, but fools get only shame. Notice how God didn't prevent Joseph's kidnapping and human trafficking, but God does go with him. The author says it repeatedly. God is going with him and God is bringing favor. This first part of the story is all about Joseph's exile. While I grew up being told Joseph was a hero, it's interesting to note that not everyone sees it this way. 
Marty Solomon from the Bema Discipleship Ministry sees this early season of Joseph's exile as a continuation of Joseph's youthful, mostly immaturity at first, where he's concerned with more of himself. For example, in verse 8, when Joseph is telling Potiphar's wife no to the affair, he says, With me in charge, my master does not concern himself with anything in the house. Everything he owns, he has entrusted to my care. And Joseph goes on in verse 9, No one is greater in this house than I am. Uh, My master has withhold nothing from me except you because you are his wife. How then could I do such a wicked thing and sin against God? So on one hand, you could see Joseph's response as integrity. But on the other, the majority of words seem to be dedicated and repeating, you know, everything he owns is in my care, who's greater than me in this house. It reads a little bit like him telling his brothers that he will be in charge and he's great, so he wouldn't risk losing it as compared to uh, it's wrong just for wrong's sake. So there's a kind of like mixed, and that's uh, the process of maturity is a bit mixed. Sometimes we're making some good choices, but sometimes not all of them are as mature as they should be. So we read this story, the wife sets him up, and he's falsely put into prison. Um, Have you noticed how outrageous, though, the stories of deception are in Genesis? For example, Jacob deceived his father with, like, goat skin for, like, a hairy, hairy body in Esau's clothes. Laban deceived Jacob with Leah as his wife instead of Rachel, this person that he's already kissed and loves. Tamar deceives Judah with a veil. And here Potiphar's wife deceives her husband with just Joseph's cloak. So on one hand, my brain wants to just justify all these deceptions as very ornate trickery. But the other part of my brain is like, remember how easily we lie and deceive ourselves about things, how we tell ourselves it's okay to do this or not do that or do this in a certain way or just to do this a little bit this one time. Dr. Dan Raley has research that shows that we all think it's okay everyone, regardless of faith, to lie, cheat, and steal a little bit. It's like this human condition that we live in. Um, I I link the TED Talk to his research in the show notes. I think it's important to remain vigilant to the deceptions in our lives, even the ones we tell ourselves that are not quite accurate or truthful. I think there's something discerning about self-reflection on deception and something maybe more dangerous about simply judging the real probability of someone else being deceived in the situation we're being presented and just like judging them as, I don't know, dumb or stupid or whatever. I feel a still small voice knocking at my heart's door when my brain wants to hold a gavel in a court and judge a given situation, right? In this story, we read how God again goes with Joseph and shows him kindness, and the warden gives him favor. Then we read how Joseph interprets Pharaoh's officials their dream about um, their dreams. But Marty Solomon points out that here again, Joseph says, "Do not interpretations belong to God? Tell me your dreams." Then Joseph asks them to remember him to Pharaoh. This is again like a a weird mixed statement. It seems that he's giving a nod to God. But he's also kind of taking credit, like, I'll interpret them and, you know, I need you to return the favor and get me out of this place. So the baker dies, as we learn, and the cupbearer forgets Joseph until the pharaoh has a dream that he cannot figure out. Then the cupbearer remembers him. So we're going to read more about that next week. But this time, we're going to notice in the future, when he goes to interpret pharaoh's dream, 
In chapter 41, Joseph says, I cannot do it, but God will give Pharaoh the answer he deserves and desires. So we see a shift in Joseph here that is putting God first and claiming God's name, power, and provision in much more central and dominant ways. So I'm looking forward to illustrating and illuminating that as we read that. But we also see a new character in Job, in Job's story, which was really cool today, Elehu, who is a critic of both Job and his three friends, condemning the friends and the claim that Job is totally without sin, right? He condemns Job's attitude towards God, confronting him, and declares God's justice. God Questions Ministry describes Elehu as one of Job's friends that is not the three who have already tried to comfort Job. And he ends up offering the last and longest single speech to Job. So we'll be reading what he has to say for the next several chapters. Eleu speaks of God's greatness. This speech from Eleu will go on for several chapters before God will break his silence and directly answer Job when we get to chapter 42. So, so much to look forward to. Pray for me, I'm praying for you. My prayer is this, found in Philippians 1, 9 through 11, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. What is this fruit? It is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. Galatians 5, 22 through 24. See you tomorrow.